0: Welcome everybody. I'm Jared. He's DJ and this is number one bullshit. Did you get a chance to check out any of the PFL this weekend? I watched a couple of the highlights. I didn't like see the whole card,
1: but I watched a couple of like the finishes.
0: Yeah, it, it's interesting because like on a weekend like this, where we don't have a UFC event, there's still great MMA going on. This PFL event in Europe, it brought out some massive stars from like outside of the world of MMA. You had at the event, you had like Mbappe uh, in the stands, right? One of the most recognizable athletes in the world, not as much in the US, but across the world, one of the most recognizable athletes. And that just shows like kind of the star power that some of these fighters outside of the UFC that we don't even really know about have, right? Like uh, Cedric Dombe had the, this was his PFL debut and he had that insane like seven, nine second whatever it was knockout where he caught the kick and just <laughs> blasted the dude. Uh, but there's you know he's bringing out those types of people and it's his PFL debut. Mm. Yeah, it, was, it was pretty cool to see. It gives me hope for that PFL model that they've talked about with the different Uh, leagues around the world because i think you are going to get that support and then yeah there's just good fighters like dakota decheva she had a a, amazing body shot knockout y'all know me in the body work like we're not going to talk pfl or one championship much but just want to remind you guys like go out there watch some of the other stuff pfl's on espn plus uh the highlights they make free so like you have an opportunity to watch it free um did you
1: watch the card? Or you just saw some of the highlights
0: just saw some of the highlights i, I didn't know yeah. if like the paris
1: crowd was as hype as it was when ufc was there uh last month
0: i would imagine because if you saw the like pre-fight for the cedric fight he he was like having to calm the fans down oh, it was tragic. it was wild yeah, yeah it was cool. the little bits i saw it was insane as far as the crowd goes and then Uh, One championship also had an event and one championship is just fun. They're on Amazon, but you can watch a card and see submission grappling at the highest level. You know, some of the best in the world, the Tolo brothers, Mikey Musumeci. Mikey Musumeci. Every time he
1: fights, I watch him or like competes. I love it.
0: Yeah. And you had like Danielle Kelly on, Mm -hmm. on this one. She was talking about transition in MMA, but then you have MMA fights. You have kickboxing fights. You have Muay Thai fights. You know, there was the headliner on this card of the main event was Stamp Fairtex going for the atomweight championship. She's already a world champion in one in kickboxing and Muay Thai. Now she's the MMA world champ. Uh, there's just there's so much going on. There's always a high finish rate. I think of the ten fights, there was eight finishes on this card. Like that's just a and that's including the submission grappling match that was on there. Like there's just always it's action. It's fun if you're into combat sports. Would definitely recommend checking out. One championship. Also on that, the reason Stamp Fairtex was fighting for the Adam White championship was their champion, Angela, Angela Lee, did retire officially. There was a lot of talk that that might happen. If you all haven't checked it out, go look at a letter that she wrote for the Players Tribune, which is a kind of like a newspaper slash news newsletter for professional athletes. And so you get a lot of really interesting stories because it's written by the athletes. It's so like right now for you football fans. Like Trevor Lawrence wrote a letter to the city of Jacksonville, you know, oh, his, his hometown it. fans there to to be able to you know just kind of express himself. And and Angela Lee on September nineteenth put out a letter that was very emotional like if you guys get the opportunity to read it I, I highly recommend it for those of y'all that don't know Angela Lee's little sister who was 18 years old also a professional fighter uh, committed suicide in the past year uh, you know Angela Lee revealed in this that when she got in a car accident in 2017 that that was actually a, a suicide attempt uh and so you know just to see those stories and hear these people talk about all the stuff outside of the cage because here we see somebody who's a world champion you know fighter right and we're not talking about like a world chess champion we're talking about somebody who goes through the toughest of the tough to be the best in the world and at 27 years old is having to step away for mental health reasons yeah you know not to and, shit on chess so, not to shit yeah, yeah yeah <laughs> not to shit on chess but just like a very different toll on the body and on yeah. you know on your mental state and so uh, just really interesting there would highly recommend checking that out uh, but then also you know kind of bring the mood back up check out one championship lots of very entertaining combat sports there so after a week off from the UFC, we now have a fight night coming up this week, and we're going to go over that because there's it's an Apex card, so you know we're going to have some prospects. We're going to have some interesting fights on here. First prospect that I want to talk about, uh, Mateusz dose at Flyweight taking on Nate Maness. He is 10 and one, six finishes, split even, giving it the Shavkat treatment uh, or the Karine Silva treatment. How you know, however you want to say that. Pick which one you uh, like but, better, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But three and three, uh, knockouts, two submissions. He's only 24 years old. Now, his one loss is in the UFC, uh, but it was up a weight class at Bantamweight, and it was against Javid Basharat. So not a, an easy UFC debut by any means. And, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He was overwhelmed. In that fight, which is probably is what prompted this drop down to flyweight. But the dude is explosive. I mean, he he carries power. If you go and watch his contender series fight against Ashik Ajim, it hits him behind the ear, yeah, kind of stanky leg starts to go down, and then there's a nasty uppercut out cold. Yeah, I'm really interested to see if he's gonna carry that power down a weight class or if the weight cut's going to sap him with some of that power but oh yeah and he fights out of the diego lima shoot the box camp so you know yeah so you know light sparring in the gym not violent that kind of thing yeah dyed blue hair not blonde we're going blue keeping the bl but not the blonde going blue nice and he yeah just a what you would expect from a Diego Lima uh, shoot to box fighter and at flyweight, you know, you know, there's a gas tank, you know, it's going to be high paced. So great one to check out. And then actually the other prospect to watch is, uh, is going to be the co-main event. I know that's a little funky, but that does happen on on some of these fight night cards. And that's not to disrespect the opponent. But the reason I'm really excited about this is my man. Body bags with the Z, like it's two thousand and three. Joe Pfeiffer taking on Abdul Razak Al Hassan at middleweight. Pfeiffer's eleven and two, 10 finishes. You know, eight of those by way of knockout, and one of his losses was an injury. The first time he was on the Contender Series, he was actually winning the fight against Dustin Stolfitz got slammed and, and broke his arm. Mm. Uh, so since then, he won his next Contender Series fight, and then he has been. Two and oh in the UFC, both by way of first round knockout. And when he hurts people, they don't want to fight anymore. Like it, it is wild to see him connect clean. Yeah, he he put hands on Amadovski, and Amadovski wasn't out cold, but he like drops down, and you just see that look in his eye of like, oh fuck, like, what he hit got me? me. You, you got me good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Yeah. you know, like one of those things, like almost comical, you know, like you would see in a movie where the eyes are just crazy, and I mean, it it was wild, and then, you know, same thing happened against uh, GM3, Gerald Mearshart, in his pants, (laughs) and uh, you see him hit him, and Mearshart goes down, and he doesn't give up, but he just turtles up and does not fight back at all, and Pfeiffer, ground and pound, fights over, but he he does not attempt to fight back. It is one of those where he touches people and there truly is that o oh moment of like oh that's that's power, right? Like that is a different touch. So you're actually excited about Piford and
1: outside of the Z in his name. Like this isn't just a highlight because he's bringing it back to 2000s.
0: You sure? Yeah, yeah, I mean like soft spot in my heart <laughs> okay, for okay. you know the this is luckily in the name. it's fortunate that he's also a good good fighter. Yes. Right. Yeah, in addition to and I you know, sometimes you feel like you know something about somebody just based on the way they dress or how they speak. And so by adding the Z to the end of the name, the instead of the S, you know, I feel like I know body bags oh, 100%, a little bit. 100%. I'm going to guess, even though he's only, I think he's 28. I'm going to guess he listened to new metal at some point. Had to have. Now, yeah. Right. Had like, to have. You know, maybe some pants that were a little baggier than they should have been. Perhaps. Yeah. So, like, that's the vibe I'm getting. And I love it because that's how I grew up. (laughs) I I used a couple Z's in my time. No doubt. No doubt. So, really excited to see him because I think if he, I mean, a win over Mearshart's no joke, right? 50 fight veteran. Yeah. If he can beat Abdul Razak al-Hassan, now you're talking about that next fight potentially being a top 15 fight. He's talked about wanting to move slowly, which I respect, uh, but you keep shutting people off. Eventually, you're going to get some some big-time fights. You know, Ultimately, if he wins down the road, maybe a uh, Roman Kopelov could be fun, but we're getting ahead of ourselves Dude, a little bit here.
1: But how exciting is 185? Like We have talked about in the past couple of weeks a whole bunch of 185 contenders that aren't even in the top 15 that were just kind of still waiting. And oh yeah, we still have like the ultimate of ultimates, Bill Nickel. Like how crazy yeah. is this division where you have all these people outside of the top 15 trying to slowly make their way in there and then we still have, oh yeah, the top 15. Oh, insane. Yeah. It, it's insane. It's
0: it's the explosion of the sport, right? Like It is the idea that you now have people that didn't grow up in a world where there wasn't UFC. Uh, they've been watching this on broadcast television or cable TV their entire lives. And so you're getting some of these really good athletes and they don't want to be wrestlers. They don't want to be football players. They want to be fighters. Yeah, And so, you know, they're wrestling to prepare themselves for fighting later on. And it's, it's really cool to see, you know, Pfeiffer gets all this, you know, shine because of the, the power in the hands. Mearshart's strong point is, his grappling. And after beating him up on the feet, they fought in a submission grappling match, and Pfeiffer beat him. Mm. So, like, it's a well-rounded skill set this guy has. Yes, exactly. Yeah, this is one of those, I am sure the UFC is just hoping all the stars align in, like, three, four years from now, you have bow Nickel body bags. You know, like, those types of fights as they're building people up and i know the contender series gets a lot of hate from people where you know oh they're bringing in people that aren't ready bullshit i think the contender series has brought people into the ufc and then allowed them to grow from there it's a great litmus test right because we see on the contender series okay this person looks really good but they're not quite ready to be thrown into the fire yeah or we see it in like they're ready to be thrown into the fire right away. But it gives you that idea because you are able to get fighters that normally would not fight at that stage in their career because they're on the regional scene. You know, they're in different parts of the country or the world fighting each other and getting some of that high level experience. And now you can really tell as opposed to, hey, this guy's Seven and one, but his opponents combined have a losing
1: record. Well, and and it's also nice for two things for me. One, it's nice to see the future of the division where you're seeing literally in the future this division still has people, and I'm sure some of these people are in the 30s, or whatever. But it's not like if you take the top 15 out and they just all retired right now, it's over. It's like in the middleweight division, if you take the top 15 and they all retired, you have some killers that are like going to be the future of MMA. I mean, Bo Nickel is someone that. Could be the future of that division, correct? Mm -hmm. Uh, But two, what I do like about the Dana White Contender Series is we're, you know, we talk about boxing occasionally, and sometimes they get their records padded by just, you know, just lower talent. If you're getting onto the show and you're still fighting people in the UFC, you're, you know, you're at that level. The UFC knows that, look, if we have to, someone got injured, we got to put someone that's, let's say, 25th and, you know, ranked in the UFC, they're probably, they're probably game for making an entertaining fight. They're doing a great job with it, but that division is really cool to know that the next three to five years is still going to be outstanding. I love it. I love it because now that the belt changed hands, you don't know what's going to happen. My my theory, whether I'm right or wrong, is that I don't think Sean Strickland is a long reigning champion, but he could be, right? Maybe no one figures him out. But, you know, I could also see DDP getting the belt soon. You know, I, I could see... You know, Robert Whittaker's finding a way to like get a title shot and beating some of these guys. Then the future of it is like then you have all these people just waiting for their opportunity. This division is, you know, we're still waiting for 205 to kind of catch up, but 185 mm-hmm. is doing its part, right? It's fine, it's fine. A- absolutely. A sweet spot.
0: Look, I mean, look at some of the guys outside of the top 15. Kopilov. Yeah. Bo nickel, which I know early for him. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Kyle Bahalo. There you go. Right? Like, there's so many of these guys that are right there that are still considered prospects. So, while you have all this excitement at the top, now that Izzy isn't the champion anymore, mm-hmm. and now we're in a point, too, where the right matchup, a guy could become champion. Yep. Right? Like Marvin Vitoria. I was just
1: about to say that name. Marvin Vittoria has hope again to be champion as long as yes. Izzy doesn't win the belt back. Right. Yeah. And his yeah. shorts
0: are on the right way. <laughs> and and then, oh yeah, the next pay-per-view, we have a a gentleman who's gonna reintroduce himself to the 185 pound division
1: in Hamzat. Awesome. Can't wait. Right. Right. Like, and he and he's and he's he's already positioned. All he has to do is win and he's top five. I mean, that's just that's the that's the path that he's on, right? If he beats yeah, he's, Costa, he's top five. Right. There's, yeah, he's fight he's fighting number six. Yeah, exactly. He's top five. So you have that, I mean, what an exciting division when sometimes we kind of, not because they don't deserve it, we over-highlight the men's bantamweight, but they deserve mm-hmm. it more than anything. Uh, sometimes these lower-weight divisions have that comp- competitive thing. 185's doing it, 170's doing it. We don't want to forget about that either. Mm-hmm. But right now, 185, I mean, like just imagine Joe Pfeiffer goes out there and just demolishes, right? Then you're starting to think, like, damn, he's on that He's on that cusp. Like you were saying, it's, it's perfect
0: yes i yeah we're gonna learn here i'm I'm really excited about it but you had mentioned the bantamweight division so that's where where we'll go next nice uh we have an awesome awesome bantam weight fight between number 15 chris gutierrez and montel jackson uh i know it's not montel jordan but every time i say or read montel jackson for some reason this is how we do it it's just uh, and, going in my head, and you're 100 supposed to do that. I'm very <laughs> yeah.
1: comfortable with you doing that.
0: Uh, but here's an interesting one because Gutierrez, who we have seen fight top competition, right, has worked his way up. He's the underdog yep. in this fight against Montel Jackson, and I I understand it to a degree. Right, Jackson is a six foot three and a half inch reach, which for bantamweight is insane. He's got fast hands. I mean, that finish he had of uh, Hanayaya and their last fight fu- in his last fight. it was just it was sudden, right? He's yeah. out there kind of finding the range and then boom, boom, like he he hits him and and it's going off. And so it's it's really interesting because you have this very athletic prospect who has tools you can't teach, like quickness, like right, you know, reach. Going up against a guy who is so refined from a skill set standpoint, and it's not to diminish Gutierrez as an athlete, because yeah. obviously he's a phenomenal athlete as well, but when you look at what he does, he's out of Factory X, you know, Raw Dog, Roy Val, uh, Anthony Smith, that, that Mark Montoya camp, but... The feints, the leg kicks. I mean, he sets traps for people. The flying knee knockout of Frankie Edgar when he retired Oof. him, and I, yeah, I went back and rewatched him. Mean, it's, 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 it's sad. to see. Yeah, and it's you know kind of the Tony Ferguson, Patty Pimblett thing here, where you know they put their their former champions and their former greats up against these young killers, and that's just kind of par for the course for the and, UFC. And,
1: and to be fair, Chris Gutierrez, his job was to make a name mm-hmm. off of Frankie Edgar and he did his job, right? I, 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 it is sad to see because like Frankie Edgar was just not the same guy that was the champion, but like to the Tony Ferguson issue as well, Chris Gutierrez went in there and he did what he had to do. Do you think some of the, like him losing to Pedro Munoz is why he's the underdog? Like is it just that recency bias?
0: I, I think it might be. I think part of it might have to do with, Gutierrez's age he is starting to get a little older he's 32 now but yeah because I think what happened in the but I guess Montel Jackson's 31 I think part of what it is, is is that he got cracked by Pedro Munoz in that fight in the first round and just wasn't the same after that he seemed a little gun shy and so I I wonder if the odds makers are putting that into consideration yeah. that maybe you know hey gutierrez there's a blueprint now one if you touch him you know and you you hurt him he might be gun shy and also kind of the story of that muñoz fight was the the pressure right like muñoz just kept walking him down kept walking him down and when you are a fighter like gutierrez you like that range yep right you're setting traps you're wanting to see how somebody responds you're throwing flashy stuff you need that range and Munoz just kind of bullied him, walked him down, got in close. But the thing is, I don't see Jackson doing
1: that. Well, also that's what Munoz can do, right? That's what Munoz can do. Like regardless of where you put Munoz in your rankings, like your personal rankings, like if you ever going to be a champion, what <laughs> level of like gatekeeper he is, that's what he does. He's still a game fighter. And that's no 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 offense to Montel Jackson, but Munoz should be a harder test for Gutierrez than Jackson, right? So mm-hmm. you got that test. What did you learn? Um, but like you're saying, like you, I didn't mean to cut you off, but like you're saying, that's not who Jackson is, right? Mm-hmm. It's just not who he is. So
0: Yeah, I want to see, and, and that's what I want to see. How does he respond, right? Because Gutierrez was on this unbeaten streak since 2018. He had lost to uh, Hany Barcelos in his UFC debut, and Barcelos at that time was a top, top flight Bantamweight. weight. Yep. He had a draw against Cody Durden, but I mean the guy had not lost since 2018, had been on this great streak. And then all of a sudden, you know, Pedro Munoz, the young punisher <laughs> uh He's like growing like up 16 now yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, middle-aged punisher. punisher. <laughs> the middle age. Yeah. Um, you know, came out and, and put it on him. And so I I want to see how he responds. This is a fight if Gutierrez wants to be in those talks of being a top 10 Bantamweight, he has to win this fight because ultimately the road back at Bantamweight is not an easy one. It's different losing to Pedro Munoz. I think he was ranked number nine at the time of that fight. That's very different than losing to an unranked Jackson.
1: Well, and and that's the thing. We're not, I, I don't want to speak for you. I don't feel like you're diminishing Goodyear's at all, but Pedro Munoz, did well against Cheeto. I mean, this is no slouch, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this guy is... So Gutierrez just realized where he's at, right? And that's mm-hmm. that's never a problem if if you learn from it. So he... Sh- like, in his mind, he has to come out here and do this to Jackson, but Jackson's no slouch either. It's just, what did you learn? Like, what did you learn, right? You're, you're coming off a loss. What did you learn? Well, Jackson isn't coming off a loss, and he should have all the confidence in the world that he can do... What he can do right um so this is gonna be a fun one but for jackson this is definitely his t- toughest competition
0: yeah 100 100 yeah. that's that's what makes this fight so intriguing right is jackson this is a big step up in competition he's faltered in the past before when he he made some of those steps like coming off the contender series he fought ricky simone yep. which you know top 15 caliber fighter uh, he fought Brett Johns, and those are those are his two losses, but both of those guys are great fighters. Yep. That's part of the the struggle at Bantamweight, right? Like, here we are talking about somebody who was on an eight-fight unbeaten streak in Gutierrez before losing to Munoz, mm. and now very he's the underdog against an unranked fighter. Like, <laughs> yeah. That is the level of competition at that weight class. And so, you know, how does Jackson respond when he's getting this next opportunity against a, a top-flight fighter? And then how does Gutierrez respond after getting hit and hurt and then looking a little hesitant the rest of the fight? You know, is the doubt in his mind now of maybe I'm not a top 10 guy? Well, you know, I, don't, I don't know. And that's what I'm I'm looking forward to seeing. And here's the thing.
1: I don't care. You don't even have to tell me a band and weight matchup right now. It's going to be exciting. Like from now on, you, you could just be like, hey, DJ, on this next car, there's two band and weight fights. I'm like, OK, they're good. I'm 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 okay with it. Like it's just the way that division is. So this is gonna be huge. Um, I don't really know what you do with Gutierrez uh, if he wins this fight because, like, he is fighting down. Like in you know mm-hmm. he's fighting down. But Jackson, this is you've said it multiple times. If he wins, he has to know that now he's there. <laughs> right now, yeah. now you're there. There's no more. There's no more people we haven't heard of fights. This is it for you. So a huge moment for. him.
0: Oh, yeah, because he wins, he takes the 15 ranking, right? It's only it natural. To, yeah. And then you look at the next people above him. Adrian Yanez, Jonathan Martinez, Ricky Simone, Umar, Pedro, uh, Dom, Song, Font, Cheeto, Jan, Sanhagen, Cejudo, well, Marab, Aljo. Well, it's, it's, it's a good O'Malley. thing that we're in October, the month of Halloween, because that's fucking terrifying. That's <laughs> that, that is, scary, dude. Yes, that's scary, yes. man. Yeah, so that's you know like hey you win that fight, you're gonna have some fun ones lined up. Yep, Um, and then the we're gonna go a little bit out of order for for the card just because that's how we're gonna do it. The next one I do want to talk about is uh, Alex Morano and Joaquin Buckley. Jesus, yes, this is this is one that I'm really excited about. Obviously, neither of these guys is in the top fifteen. Doesn't have those types of implications that we were talking about with this last fight, but there's a there's an interesting story for both of these fighters here right like you could not have a matchup where physically the guys are more different from an athleticism standpoint and that's no disrespect to Morono but we're talking about Buckley my dude <laughs> yes yeah Buckley who has a deceptive reach because he's got super long arms mm-hmm. super explosive has the you know ultimate viral knockout uh, of all time
1: yeah right the, so good. the
0: yeah the spinning back kick. You know, footed, one foot in the air against Impa and I is
1: it's all-time highlight. It's a movie thing that you're like, that would never happen in real life. And he's like, hold, hold my beer because I'm going to yeah. do it. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it was a hold my foot. <laughs> yeah, <for sure. laughs> so I'm going
0: to kick you in the head. Uh, but yeah, so like, and Murano is not that. But what Murano is, he's that Matt Brown, the guy that we were talking about last week and Tim Means, yep. he's just that grimy, dirty, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. Sounds so disrespectful. Yeah, just Dude type of fighter. I mean, that's what it's <laughs> I mean, he's going to, he's going to test who you are as a human being yep. and, and what you're made of in a fight. And if you look at this fight, you ask, you know, you walk into a bar and I'm like, hey, which of these two guys is going to win? Everyone would say Buckley, but Marano, he's, He's not as old as you would think, just based on like his demeanor and everything. He's only thirty three years old, so yep. physically he's in his prime. But uh, he's had some really good wins, yep. you know, and and he's on a, a heck of a streak right now. He's won five of his last six, and his lone loss was to Ponzanibio in the third round, where he's up two rounds to none on Easy. two of the judges' yeah. scorecards. Yeah, you know, so realistically, if he survives that last bit you're talking about, he's on a six-fight win streak at welterweight, which is not easy to do. And he's just, he's so game. He has such experience. If you watch the end of the Tim Means fight, where he throws this kind of like awkward spinning back fist, totally misses, and Means shoots, and he immediately, boom, right into the arm in guillotine, doesn't quite have it, sits up, to get the to get the shoulder over the back of the head like he needs it, readjust, boom, tap 10 means out. Yeah. And this is after missing on a, a spinning back fist. He's a coach, he runs his own gym. I mean, he does have uh safe Sayud in his corner, but he runs his own gym. You have to have a different approach to the game if you're teaching other people, right? Like you view the game differently if you are having to teach people. And so that against Joaquin Buckley, Oof. who I mean, hurts people. Man, he's he. I was just about to say that he hurts people, man. Yes, yes. And he's he's come up short in a couple big moments, sure, right? But it was at middleweight lost to Kevin Holland, lost to Nasruddin Imavov, lost to Chris Curtis. And ultimately, it was the, the back-to-back losses to Imavov and Chris Curtis. We was like, okay, I need to get my diet in order because I can make a uh, welterweight. Yeah. Widow weight, uh, <laughs> make it welterweight, and so drops down to welterweight and gets an amazing head kick knockout of uh, Fiallo in in his welterweight debut. And watching that fight, it's like, okay, this guy, this is the weight class for this guy, yeah. and and that that's where it's going to get interesting. Morano means when Morano because it was uh, southpaw, Tim means of southpaw. Morano kept circling. To the strong side and his and uh safe side was repeatedly go left, go left, trying to get him away from the high kick. And so Buckley, that's what he did to shut off Fiallo. Yeah. High kick. So if there are any of those lapses by Murano and Means almost connected on the high kick a couple times, that backlink high kick. And so if Morano, you know, loses concentration for a second dire consequences against buckley
1: Mm -hmm. oh 100 and i just seen that his nickname is the great whites pushing a little bit (laughs) pushing um but
0: but when you he's got in his he has the predator eyes 100 like like the shark when i remember watching the the face off for the tim means fight because i was very fortunate to be able to actually go to those weigh-ins and, wait a wait, we wait, wait, brag, but go ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was awesome. It was amazing. Uh, and he, yeah, just kind of calm looking guy, but the second they were staring each other down, he had a look about him of like, oh, this guy's a predator. Like this guy w- will hurt people. Yeah. You know, not Chris Henson, predator, but like, <laughs> you know, great white shark predator. Uh, and just, yeah, sometimes you look people in the eyes, they might not be the most physically intimidating person but you're like oh i don't i don't want to fuck around with this human being morono has that
1: and, and you got to imagine that he's probably going to push a little bit of the wrestling grappling trying to get you know joaquin buckley a little uncomfortable that way because mm-hmm. i don't want to stand up with buckley i just don't yeah. right so it's going to be a real interesting fight because buckles buckley's so explosive that you know if he gets his chance and he hurts him but you know Morano being on the ground. If he's hurt, if he's not like out cold, if he's hurt, he mm-hmm. still has a chance. This is gonna be this is gonna be a good welterweight fight, man.
0: Yeah, I I'm interested to see the weigh-ins, uh, just to see the size discrepancy. Oh, gonna,
1: it gonna look ridiculous. Yeah, because I, mean, looks I, I like can a imagine damn superhero.
0: Yeah, so I I want to see that like physically how they match up, and then also I want to see how Buckley responds the first time he gets hit. Ooh. Because he has a tendency to try to get one back. Mm-hmm. And he did it a little bit against Fiallo, But he he did show kind of a new level of patience where he got cracked once and like started firing back. But then you saw him kind of
1: yeah, I, give himself a reset. Let me, let me, and, chill.
0: Yeah, move back a little bit. And so I'm interested to see because if you get out of pocket a little bit, you know, against Morono, he's the, he's the kind of guy that'll take advantage of. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and so, yeah, I want to see how he responds the first time he gets touched there. It'll be a fun fight. Yeah. And fun fight, fun nickname. My man, Señor perfecto love it bill Algio uh going up against alex hernandez at featherweight so
1: so is this your new favorite nickname because every week you have a new one
0: or i en- i enjoy the okay, nickname fair enough fair yeah enough. enjoy the nickname it is not uh it might not be my favorite nickname even on the card okay yeah body bags body bags yeah fair enough yeah uh but this stylistically this is gonna be such a fun fight like both of these guys just love to get into wars uh Hernandez has shown in the past he's wilted in some tough times when when he's been dragged into deep waters because he came in you know brash af uh he's beaten (laughs) uh Dariush you know and then he was fighting Cerrone and he was talking a bunch of shit to Donald Cerrone and Cerrone was like hold on young man like this is very different and Cerrone broke him oh just outright broke him and so Hernandez kind of always had that about him, almost like how DuBronx, after he got broke once, always had that about him where people like, oh, he's just going to give up. Hernandez fought through some some tough times in his last fight. Now, it was up at, at lightweight against Jim Miller. But we all know, like, Miller's going to put you... It might not be the most physically gifted fighter, but he is going to put you through... Hell, just say it. Yeah, hell. yeah, he's going to put you through hell. It, it's not going to be a fun night at the office mm-hmm. if you're fighting that guy. And Hernandez fought through that. Yeah. And so that's really interesting because Algio pushes a pace. I mean, it's a it's a weapon for him. What he did against Herbert Burns, oh Gilbert's brother. Yeah. He uh it was it was retirement. I, I think it was TKO by exhaustion, is <sighs> what it officially is on the uh on the cards. Like he absolutely broke him. And so, yeah, can he do that? <laughs> can, can he do the same thing against uh, Alex Hernandez? And it gets a little weird with Algio because his style is, it's not like anything you've seen. Yeah, It's very unique. He has some of that Corey Sanhagen, you know, where he throws a lot of the spinning stuff, hands down a little bit. He also has some Dom to him, though. Where he'll throw like kind of the big looping overhand and then like duck out of the way, you know, and it almost looks like it's not technically very sound, but yeah. it it is right from the standpoint of hit, don't get hit. But then he'll also at distance have the hands down like Wonder Boy, you know, with like a traditional karate approach. He has a very. Very unique style. Go watch the fight with TJ Brown. That was two just dirty dudes that, that wanted to get <laughs> after it. Like awesome back and forth fight. In uh, the finishing sequence he had in that fight, it was clinical. Yeah. I mean, counter elbow, you know, gets him down, goes to the crucifix or ground and pound to set him up to get to the crucifix. Starts, you know, more ground and pound elbows from the crucifix. Brown gives up the back. Boom. Rear naked choke.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm very excited for this one because it is going to be, you know, Algio is going to try to put him in into a dark, dark place. What can Hernandez do there? And and that's going to be the story. And that to, those are the types of fights that that get me excited. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah.
1: And it's just going to be like you said. It's going to be a war. This is going to be a war.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I would be very surprised if this isn't one of Dana White's If You Don't Know Now You Know fights. Like yep. Very, I think it's supposed to start the main card, which is awesome, uh, but very, very likely contender for some form of a bonus being issued on on this fight. Don't be sure. a freaking bonus here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice. Um, and then another fight that's just going to be all action. And one of the reasons I love these fight night cards, right? Like there's... There's really only one, maybe two fight, well, two fights here that have rankings implications, mm-hmm. but all kinds of crazy fun shit to watch, yeah. and that's the next one: Drew, Drew Dober versus Ricky Glenn. I don't think Dober knows how to be boring at all. Doesn't at, right? No, I mean the guy is. He understands what he's signing up for, and that is to get into a fist fight. Yeah. Right. Like, it, he's there to get into entertaining fights. He's of that mindset. Like, yeah, you're going to win some, you're going to lose some, but it's yeah. going to be fun. Yeah. But that
1: steamroller, I'll do it. Steamroller for Volo. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Jared. Um, nice. nice. That fight was crazy. It was just, it's one of those things where it's like, when when you can lose a fight and we still want to see your next fight, like there's something special. Like like, uh, Gaethje has that right. Where, where mm-hmm. if Gaethje loses, you're like, I still want to see him fight his next fight. Drew Dober, Drew Dober versus Matt Frivola was, it was, it was violent. It was violent. Yes. And we've been and, waiting for Dober to get matched up, and he's finally coming back. And we're like, we know what you bring to us, and that's why we watch you because you bring excitement.
0: Yeah, I mean he. Uh, there would be a big skill set discrepancy, but like him and Gaethje are very similar style fighters, yep. right? Like that's a fight that might last two minutes, maybe. Like there, it is just violence. Like that's what Drew Dober is. And I mean, go watch the Terrence him versus Terrence McKinney, and McKinney's another one of those all violence fighters. <laughs> uh, but but like McKinney had him hurt badly, yeah. badly in that fight, and he comes back to get the win. The the fight that he had against Bobby Green. I am about to say Bobby right? Green, the,
1: the main the main eventer of this thing. He's beat him.
0: Yes, and he was getting pieced up yeah. by Bobby Green, getting pieced up, and all it took was one. That left hand of Drew Dober is scary, and he has the physical makeup to get into fights like this. The dude has Quagmire's head on his shoulders, right? <laughs> like his head is enormous, giant chin. Right? Like the man can take a shot. And he he does it. He just he is okay with getting
1: hit to hit. Yeah, and and this isn't this is not a this isn't the best matchup on Ricky Glenn's side, right? Like for for Drew Dober fighting Ricky Glenn, like his his camp has to be like, okay, this is a fight that we can definitely win. Drew Dober, don't get me wrong, they probably say that for everybody, mm-hmm. but Drew Dober's camp has to know that like we can get we can get Ricky Glenn out. We can get him out. Um, this is. Man, this is one of those fights where, uh, you know, I know we're gonna do our fight picks and everything. I just feel Mm -hmm. like Drew Dober should be winning that fight, but you just never know because, you know, you don't know what got taken out of him with the Fervola fight. We haven't seen it since. So, you know, when you get when you get taken out that way, your next fight is always interesting to me because does it build you up? Does it make you gun shy? I don't think we're ever gonna see Drew Dober gun shy. I don't think that's in him. But if, if it elevate him to the next level, it's going to be a long, or maybe a quick night for Ricky Glenn, but it's going to be a problem. Yeah. It's going to be a
0: problem. Yeah, and and the interesting thing for me is, even if it's not a him getting gun shy, but if it's kind of like the old Chuck Liddell thing, where, hey, my style is I'll, I'll take two to give one because I think my one is stronger than your two, Correct. well, eventually you can't take those anymore. Correct. And the it's not like Dober went out cold against Frivola, but that was as hurt as I think we've ever seen drew Dober oh, and yeah. you know and I mean he got up he was protesting because he didn't go unconscious but you saw him like he, he, not he, he it stable. was stable it was a good stoppage 100 good stoppage yeah I, I just rewatch it 100 good okay. stoppage right yeah good stoppage but how does his body respond exactly Right is is it going to be? Maybe he doesn't go out this fight, but maybe he's a little closer to that. Maybe his body starts to give out a little bit more on the next one. And Glenn has the power to do it. He dropped in Joachim Silva yep. and and you know put him out with some ground and pound. So the or the like a quick flurry after connecting there, but Glenn just got knocked out by Christos Kyagos as well. So.
1: And, <laughs> and there's a reason why Drew Dober is such a big favorite, like minus 40 or 470 to plus plus three 360. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason for it. But like you said, sometimes that damage is going to accumulate. I mean, we're going to see it. I, I brought up Justin Gaethje. Eventually, we're going to see it in him. Um, mm-hmm. Eventually, Drew Dober is going to get it. But until that happens, I mean, who?
0: <laughs> yeah, let's see it. Let's see it. Because that knockout loss to Yagos That's the first knockout loss for Ricky Glenn. Yeah. Okay. So he's, uh, and he's got 11 knockout wins of his own. Like Mm -hmm. the man will oblige a firefight. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes this so interesting. Um, I, I, if there's a bet for not going the distance, put your money on that. Oh, 100%. This is going to be, here's another one that very likely could be fight of the night. Easy. You know, I, I have a feeling and who knows, it's probably going to go all decisions now, but <laughs> I have a feeling that this card, there's going to be uh, some can, a few contenders for fight of the night. If not for the the performance of the night bonuses, because there's some really good matchmaking going on, especially A fight like this where you know it's two people that are going to go out there and they're just going to rock them sock them robots until one of them doesn't get up and and And,
1: sometimes that's just fun
0: absolutely absolutely it is (laughs) and so then that is going to be very different from what our main event is (laughs) i agree so, main event number 10, Grant Dawson taking on Bobby Green at Lightweight. And this is one where, in the matchmaking, it's a little interesting because Dawson's coming off the biggest win of his career, beating number 12, Demir Ismagulov, and not beating, dominating number 12, Demir Ismagulov. And now he's fighting somebody outside of the rankings. Yeah. Uh, so, an interesting matchmaking there, but Grant Dawson gets the main event he gets a five rounder. You know, if he's somebody that is going to challenge for a title someday and you look at his record, he's 21 and one, not 21 and one 20 dash one dash one. His one draw actually being against Ricky Glenn, Mm -hmm. where he dominated him for the first two rounds. And then a um, questionable 10, eight by two of the judges for a, a split draw, uh, but Dawson gassed out a little bit in that one. So, very, very intriguing here on how he handles a five round fight. But that, for him to be able to get to title contention, he's going to have to pass the Bobby Green test. Yeah. I,
1: I agree 100%. Bobby Green has that special thing about him where when he wins, it's good. When he loses, it's still close. I mean, like, even look at the Tony Ferguson win. Like, he, Tony Ferguson, you know, for however you want to feel about it, Tony Ferguson, you still had that thing where, like, okay, well, he still has power, right? Like, you still mm-hmm. saw it. And he was hitting him. It's just Bobby Green eventually, you know, submitted him. This is a really good fight. This is a really good fight for, like you're saying, Dawson to get that five round. Because I can see, I can see this fight going all five rounds. And Bobby Green, even if he slows down a little bit, he's still going to fight you for five rounds. So this mm-hmm. is good. But I can also, I mean, damn, this is a tough one to even, like, really... Think about how it's going to go. This is going to be one of those ones where maybe my heart's not going to be racing like on most main events, you know, but it's, it's very confusing to be like, how the fuck is this going to go? I think by the end of the night when this is over, I'm going to be surprised. And I, I really can't, I really can't explain why. I just think it's going to be a surprising result.
0: Whoever wins. Well, in order to avoid surprises, you can go over to your podcast listening service of choice and hit like, follow subscribe. So that way you're not surprised when the episode drops, the F updates, the new episodes. Not surprised, motherfucker. (laughs) Um, So uh, go get the follow. You'll know when the F updates happen. Uh, You'll know when the episodes drop on Monday morning. Also, go over to X Twitter uh, at number one BS pod. That way uh, you can see our fight picks. You can see the polls. You can see the amazing live posting uh during the event and then also if you live in the sure dog world go over there we're starting to make some posts over there you can give once again it's number one bs pod there you can give that a uh, a follow as well nice and now back to our main event so yeah just with it, it is interesting like that's this is almost a i'm excited to learn something yep by watching this fight because Bobby Green has such a unique style, you know, when Bobby Green couldn't get past Islam, which most people can't. I'm not going to hold was, that one against him, too. Yeah. yeah. But that was kind of the end of the, you know, oh, Bobby Green's on this run. Maybe he can contend for a title. I think that was the end of those talks. Sure. But it's that test you have to pass because it is such a unique way that he fights with a very boxing type style with the shoulder rolls. Doesn't get hit clean very often, unless it's Drew Dober. Um, and even then, it was just kind of one or two, because Dober <laughs> carries that power. Yep. But his hands are low, so he he defends takedowns very well because of that. And Grant Dawson has a bit of a traditional shot to get to the takedown. It's not a lot of, like, clinch and trip kind of stuff. Sure. He, he shoots like a traditional wrestler. Now it's very different once he actually gets somebody to the ground, but Bobby Green's hands are going to be there to defend that. And if you watch the Ricky Glenn Grant Dawson fight, eventually Dawson's kind of shooting from way out there and it's not working for him. Yeah. And so is Bobby Green with that funky style going to be able to kind of tire Dawson out, pick him apart on the feet? You know, maybe Dawson does bank a rounder too early, but we're in a five rounder. Yeah. Right. And then if he can't get him down after that. That's going to be a major problem for Dawson.
1: Yeah, because I mean, Bobby Green's fought so many killers. Edson Barbosa, Dustin Poirier, right? And Barbosa didn't take him out on the feet. So you gotta imagine that Dawson's not going to be able to do it either.
0: FaZeev couldn't take him out that, on the that,
1: feet. That, It's insane. Oh yeah, FaZeev. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> he's fought so many people and killer strikers and so so for Dawson his path to victory has got to be like you're saying bank some rounds where he finds a way to set up some combinations and, and and trick him into getting him down or just control him uh because if it stays on the feet for five rounds it could be a fucking long night with someone like Bobby Green unless he just like gases after the third round right like unless it's just like third round com- fourth round comes and he's just exhausted uh because that's a possibility you know we haven't seen yeah. him in the fourth round yet but if it's a stand-up fight I have to imagine that Dawson's camp is trying to figure out a way to get him on the ground or get his back to the cage and control him. Right. Oh, it
0: has to be. I it mean, has that's to be. Dawson's almost like a Khabib in the sense of not only does he favor that kind of Dagestani style of wrestling once he gets the control, but like you know what he's going to do. He is lightweight, Aljo. Yeah. He ooh, is going. Ooh, I love that. He, yeah. He's going to get your back. Right. He is going to get your back. Uh, you watch the Ismagulov fight. I think he had almost 13 minutes of control time and basically all of it was the back does a great job of switching the side of the body triangle. Now, one of the things that he also does very well, like Aljo is the backpack. I get the nickname, but it doesn't really tell the story because he doesn't just take the back and sit there. He does because he's relatively long, unless the person who's back he's on, does a good job of keeping him flat, he gets off to the side and throws hammer fists, yep. throws elbows. He's softening people up for the choke. I think he has 11 rear naked choke wins in his career. I mean, the the guy is an absolute technician. He's a specialist, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. But, very, I mean, Aljo rode that to a championship, yep. most defenses in Bantamweight UFC history, right? So Grant Dawson is that. Now, does it work at 155? We'll see. Yeah. But here's a guy who out grappled and submitted an Olympic silver medalist and Marco Madsen who was unde- like, let's not forget, also undefeated in MMA. Yep. And goes out there and beats Demir Ismagulov in his last fight. I mean, Grant Dawson is a problem and for people. And, and let's not pretend like Bobby
1: Green doesn't have any ground skills either. He just submitted Tony Ferguson. So this is like yep. one of those things where you feel... Stand-up is 100% Bobby Green, right? Mm-hmm. And then takedowns, maybe maybe it is heavily on Dawson, but Green's no slouch. He's going to try to be getting up, and if you give him an opportunity, he can't get you in some danger. I mean, welcome back. After we had a week off, man. We had a week off, and you better have enjoyed it because now we're back. Now we're back, and it's like, you know, it's an apex card. It's a fight night card, but they're bringing that fucking heat, and this is this is a good way to fucking... This is a, this is a great main event for this because so dawson needs five-round experience and what better way to do it in bob even though bob green's not ranked what better way to do it for somebody that's like if you don't beat them then you didn't deserve it anyways and if you do beat them you got your experience if it yeah. i mean if it if it hits the fourth and fifth rounds
0: training for a five round there fight you go fair enough training, different training, as training, well training. yeah but it's interesting and that's what makes this matchup even more interesting to me is of the top 15 you have number 15 booked Matt Steamer Olaf Ravola had to <laughs> against Benoit Saint Denis, which is going to be fucking awesome. Yep. And then you have Islam du Bronx. Other than that, nobody above Dawson is booked, which is what makes this one so interesting. Yeah. Of, of why they did it, but then yeah, hey, if you're Grant Dawson, you beat Bobby Green. You're ranked number ten. Go go get you a, a big name fight, right? Because yep. you look above him. Dan Hooker's going to need a dance partner when he comes back. And
1: Dan Hooker will fight anybody, it seems like.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep. I think they try to avoid him fighting Sarukion just because I think that Sarukion's one of the, you know, Dawson and Sarukian right now are the two kind of young guys at 155 that are, yeah. that are making a push. At that point, if he gets his win, shit, call out Gamrot. Yeah. Call out Dariush. Chandler. Call out Chandler, yeah. Hey, hey, why are you waiting around for a Let's guy fight. that you're probably not going to fight? I think yeah. I can
1: beat you. You know
0: why not? Yep.
1: <laughs> but if yep. I'm can- if call, I'm call Chandler, it it's hard to take that fight, right? Because it's like if I have Connor money in the background, it's hard to fight Grant Dawson off of fighting Bobby Green. But
0: yep. everyone's got an ego. <laughs> you know,
1: what I'm saying? Yeah. it just takes the right thing to say for you to be like, "Fuck it, I'm going to fight this guy." So
0: yeah the the matchup that I, I would uh, uh, very much appreciate would be the the Darush. Fight. I, th- I think that one would be a lot of fun. I actually think Gamrot would be a lot of fun too, just because the, the grappling exchanges that that you're going to see there w- would be pretty damn good.
1: I can just, for some reason, and this has, I have no reason to think this, I just feel like he could get the um, Dan Hooker fight. It just feels like like Dan Hooker's that guy right now. It's like if you don't have a dance partner, he's kind of the guy, right? Mm-hmm. He just seems like the mm-hmm. guy in 155. So I can see that fight if, if he wins. He's got to
0: win. Yeah. And then if I'm, uh, Bobby Green and I win, then I hey Moicano, hey Hooker, you, you, any any of those people because that's gonna be a fun fight. Yeah, if I'm Bobby you know, Green,
1: I, I'm calling out Dan Hooker as well. Why not? Yeah. Right? I fought I beat the number 10. You're not fighting, let's do it. You know, his last fight was Dan Hooker's last fight was <laughs> was also violent. So whoever wins really has that opportunity. Like I said, it'd be it, I almost I almost want to see this fight at least make it to the fourth round. Just to mm-hmm. see it, and I, I can see this this fight being a like a decision fight as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm calling out. I'm calling out Hooker. Regardless, you know what? That's who I'm calling out. If I'm Grant Dawson, yeah. I'm calling out a Hooker. If I'm Bobby Graham, calling out a Hooker. Yeah, calling Hooker. Um, <laughs> calling Hookers. Yeah, yeah.
0: But then the the kind of last interesting thing about this that I do want to touch on is this is going to be Dawson's second full camp at American Top Team. Ooh. He had been with James Krause before, and we all know what happened there. But then he he was spending like a few weeks here and there with American Top Team. But then before the Ismagulov fight, he had a full camp with American Top Team. He dominated the number twelve fighter in the division at that time mm. and looked a little sharper on the feet than he had. And and so I'm interested now with another full camp, do we continue to see that progression in the stand up? You know, some of the refinement of the ground game. It it's gonna be. Yeah, I'm very intrigued by, by Grant Dawson. Yep. And then we have a, a few announcements. Uh, nothing like last week.
1: where, Unfortunately, where, man. One veteran that's
0: you keep going, dude. Yeah, that would have been fucking <sighs> awesome. Uh, but we do have an announcement of an addition to the UFC 296 card we had. And that's the one headlined by Leon versus Colby, December 16th. King Casey O'Neill coming back, taking on Ariane Lipsky at flyweight. Really interested to see this one because O'Neal was part of that, like, oh, the next breed of 125, she beat Roxanne Mataferi, and they gave it a split decision. It should not have been, but she was getting touched up a little bit, and then now she's taking on, you know, a, a violent fighter after dropping her first fight to Jennifer Maya, right? And Jennifer Meyer beat her up on the feet, and so that is one that I am interested to see how this individual who was so highly touted coming into it how she responds from her her first professional defeat because we've seen it before with highly touted prospects all of a sudden they lose and they're not you know that cloak of invincibility is gone yep. and all of a sudden they start doubting themselves <laughs> and i'm interested to see if her getting touched up by Mataferi, even though O'Neal, I think broke the record for significant strikes in that fight if that planted the seed of doubt that Maya was able to capitalize on and if this is a pattern now yep and Lipsky back to back wins right like she's feeling very confident and so that's it's intriguing to me what that clash is going to look like especially with King Casey Jen fought since March yep it's right? a great it's so a great, long layoff
1: it's a great matchup it's it really is like the, what what you're saying is like you have this person with Uber confidence I'm one the last two I'm feeling good King Casey I mean, it's a good point. I got touched up, and then my next fight I get beat up. Is is there a cause and effect, or is someone just better than you? It could be either way, but if it's a mental thing, no bueno, and you're 25 years old. I mean, you know, sometimes when you don't have that decade of experience, how do you, how do you overcome it? So it's going to be real interesting because King Casey is ranked number 14, so Lipsky wins this. You get in the rankings. It's so fun. We, I, and I know we kind of, it sounds like we're saying the same thing over and over again, but what a huge moment. Lipski does it. Now she's in the rankings. Casey O'Neill gets back on the win column. Who knows their confidence is back. It's actually when you brought this up to me at first, I was like, okay, whatever. And I thought about it. I'm like, actually, this is a really fun matchup. It's a really good yeah. one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause if Lipsky, if Lipsy can't win, now like your chances of, of ever you know being a top flight fighter are done correct? because these are the young up-and-comers now and if o'neill wins now we have another oh can't wait for that next matchup you know to talk about in the flyweight division Mm. so there's and when you look at the flyweight division all of a sudden you're starting to get turnover in the top 15 all of a sudden these young names are starting to work their way up in that division and it's it's very exciting, yeah. and, and like obviously Casey O'Neill wants to try to add her name to that because she's been away, and in the time she's been away, Karine Silva making a name for herself, Natalia Silva making a name for herself, Tracy Cortez reintroducing herself, right? Like there's been so many developments. Macy Barber getting back on the map. Like there's been so many developments. This is Casey O'Neill's opportunity, especially on, and we talked about this last week, the ultimate shit talk card. Right, like the ultimate card where all eyes are going to be on it because there's so many personalities that are going to be there. People are going to watch. So if you go out there and you put on a performance, oh, yeah, hey, don't forget about King Casey. Mm -hmm. Very interesting, very intriguing. And then we have also in December, the week before, uh, they have announced a card in China. So as normal, they're populating with a lot of the Asian fighters. and. The Iron Turtle, who's nice. another one of those we were talking about middleweight earlier, who's outside of the top 15. Forgot who's about on him. A hell <laughs> yeah, of a streak. About yeah. Him. Um, he's taking on Andre Muniz, who is another one of those outside of the top 15, who is a hell of a fighter. You know, Iron Turtle has won four in a row in seven of his last eight. Yeah. And not just, in the and top just, 15. It just
1: looks phenomenal right now. Just looks good yes. right now.
0: Yes. And then, I mean, his last one against uh Duryev, like, that's not an easy win. No. And then he pulls off his little drunken iron turtle <laughs> dance, which was fucking sweet. Right. Like yeah. if he and every, everyone I've heard like talk about him backstage and stuff, just said, he's like a really cool, like fun down to earth. dude, oh, yes. He has an awesome personality. So probably going to get a pop, you know, when he comes out, I'm, I'm excited for that. And then Muniz, you know, dude was on a run. Like he's, he is a very talented fighter, right? What, was it broke jacare's arm um so has the talent there got to get past iron turtle though right if you want to put yourself back into that into those talks and he he had a tough stretch but when you look at his back-to-back losses that he just had brendan allen and paul craig okay right and you have craig who was a top come on craig who was a top 10 light heavyweight, coming down to middleweight, that's not fun, nope. right? So you're talking about two potential top 10 fighters back-to-back losses. Like, can he get back on track against the Iron Turtle? Yeah. Not and an easy well, fight for him. <laughs> no, no, that that's not a fun, hey, here's your rebound <laughs> fight. Yeah, this is a sink or swim fight. Oh, yeah, him, absolutely. Because right? you lose, that's three in a
1: row. And and you're outside of the top 15, so.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, but speaking of... Brendan Allen and Paul Craig, on that card uh, that they are headlining November 18th. They just announced a featherweight fight, and this is one that's going to be a little under the radar, but I am a very big JSP, Jonathan Pierce, fan, uh, and he is making his return against Joe Anderson Brito. Now, Pierce is on a five-fight win streak. Uh, his last fight was just a domination of Darren Alkins. I mean, just... Beat him up for the entirety of the fight and Elkins gets beat up in in his fights, but a lot of the times he's able to break people and that just didn't didn't happen. I mean, Pierce overwhelmed him for the entirety of the fight, but that was last December. Yep. So it's going to be almost a year since he's been in the cage and Joey Anderson breach is no punk. He is on a three fight win streak. First round finish. Streak and his last fight in July, he had a monster knockout over Weston Wilson. I mean, the guy is three and one in the UFC. His one loss is to Senor Perfecto, Bill Algio. And his fight on the contender series to get into the UFC, his win on that, beat a guy you might have heard of him by the name of Diego Lopez. Okay, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> so Brito, you know, there was a little bit of a oh well, you know, here's a contender series guy and then he lost his debut. Yeah, he lost his debut against one of the funkiest fighters that you can, you know, have a matchup against and then is like, all right, cool, I'm gonna show you guys what I'm really about. He's fought a total of like six minutes in his last three fights.
1: I mean, it's it's that thing when you lose, what do you learn from it? And if you're gonna learn how to do three first round stoppages in
0: a row, well then yeah, let's see the fight, man. Yes, man, and to see fight. And he's fighting a guy who's very similar to Bryce Mitchell. You know, Jonathan Pierce is one of those. He's gonna cook you to the bone till you fall off, right? Like he is going to drag you into dark places and you know, see how you perform when your your gas tanks on empty. Yeah. And and that is very exciting, especially it's almost that. Uh, when you used to watch like old Vitor Belfour fights where it's like, well, if he can weather the storm for the first five yep. minutes, what's this going to look like? Mm-hmm. And you know, that's the, what the similarity between Pierce and Algio is that just weaponized cardio. Yeah. And, and so, and it, it didn't work out well for Brito in his, in his debut. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how, uh, how this one plays out. Yeah. Great announcements. Yeah. Uh, any, anything else on, on your end? No, sir. All right. In that case, Appreciate y'all for listening. Love and respect. Later.